Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of That's Entertaining. It is a new month, and it is a new movie that we'll be discussing. Brand new, hot off the presses, and maybe uh, it's one that you haven't seen yet because you're waiting for it to become free. And that is, as the title says, Cruella, the 2021 Emma Stone vehicle, I guess you could call it. Uh, And to join me this week to discuss it is the most illustrious, the one the only, the Kevin Emma Austin. Stone. Yes, no? Emma Stone. <laughs> Emma Stone is here. No, it's just me, everybody. Hi. Welcome, dear Kevin. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, you may have been on one episode before, but, you know, since we kind of... Oh, I've been on a few. Yeah, since we kind of came back, uh, this is your first time making a return because it's just been me and Justin monthly since we kind of came back here. Uh, yeah. So I wanted to welcome you and thank you for joining us this month. Well, thanks for asking. You know I'm a Disney fan, so I'm always here for it. That's right. So when I was I was trying to figure out, okay, who would have seen this on Disney Plus, right? And I thought I'd mentioned it in, in our Discord for PSVG, and I thought you had said that you were going to, and uh, Justin had decided that he was not going to. So I was like, mm. you know what? This is actually a movie that I want to talk about. Uh, yep. And so I was like, hey, Kevin, did, did you ever get around to watching this? And uh, you had said yes, and we made some time, and here we are. Yep, absolutely. I watched it the uh, the first. Uh, I think it might have been the first night, or maybe the second night after it came out. It was it was on high on my list, and we were just waiting for the the ideal opportunity to watch it as a family. So, very good. So, uh, before we get in the show proper, has there been anything that you want to let the listeners know about that you have been entertained by recently? Ooh, um, not anything specific, but I will say for folks who. Maybe haven't jumped into it. I know there's tons of subscription services now more than ever, you know, Paramount Plus and all sorts of kind of stuff uh, popping up. But I am a huge fan and I'm really digging Discovery Plus. Uh, if people aren't there, there is a massive variety of, of shows on there from, you know, Animal Planet stuff to HGTV to Food Network. Like it's it's just all on there. And it, it's, it's to steal at the price it is too. Uh, much like Disney Plus, they're both, you know, drastically low in price with a ton of content and you know, who knows what's going to happen with the HBO Discovery merger, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for now, it's a great deal with a ton of content. There's always something to watch on in the background at all times at my house. Yeah, we've we've got that as well. We got the Discovery Plus because uh, my wife really enjoys like those HBG TV type shows and yep. the Magnolia people. So yep, yep. Uh, we got it basically for those. And we also have the Food Network on there. So that was always a plus for us. But I honestly haven't watched anything on that in a little while, but. Um, I've been occupied with other things and haven't had a I chance say, to really Loki's watch the other thing, which I know you've been watching. I mm. just I just finished episode three just about twenty minutes ago. So nice, yeah. Loki is 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 very fun. Very, you know, we'll 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 be discussing it. I'm sure in in the future on an episode. But uh, I'm going to say you know three episodes in, it's it's pretty pretty good. I, I have enjoyed what yeah. I've seen so far. I, I agree. I'm in the same boat. I'm just. I'm shocked that it's already halfway done because mm-hmm. there's only six. So, but yeah, it's going to be quick. Yeah, that'll be a quick one. Uh, speaking of a quick one, let's go ahead and get into this discussion of Cruella. Now, what's interesting about this movie is not only that it it released on Disney Plus uh, premiere, uh, or you could have gone to the theater and watched it and brave the the crowds. I don't know if there were necessarily crowds <laughs> yeah. for this one, uh, but. Uh, this movie is uh, obviously retelling or reinventing the character of Cruella DeVille. So going in, Kevin, what did you expect out of this? I, I honestly didn't know 
going into it because, you know, I, I obviously seen the original movie and you kind of know how Corolla set up. So I always wondered, you know, how is this going to be an origin story, much like um, Maleficent? Like it, it twisted Maleficent's character a bit and made you feel bad for her as a character. So I was kind of a little reserved and afraid that they might try and do the same thing with Cruella. However, this, you know, and we'll get into it, it definitely isn't a make you feel bad for her kind of story. It just explains why she is the way she is. And, uh, you know, all the trailers and stuff we got uh, going into it gave me big uh, Harley Quinn vibes. Mm -hmm. So I thought that, like, hey, this is going to be very artistic over the top and, and it looked like fun right from the start. So I, I was optimistic and I, I thought I was going to enjoy it. And uh, I, I'll save final thoughts for as we get into it. Yeah. When I was going into this much like you, I got those kind of Harley Quinn fun you mm -hmm. know, vibes out of it. Not necessarily that, you know, we were going to see her murdering puppies or something during <laughs> right, the movie, right. but uh, just like, you know, kind of getting the backstory of, okay, how did she become the character that we know and we're introduced to in that uh, animated movie. So I was very interested in it. You know, I thought that the, I think it was one of the trailers, one of the first trailers that had the the Cruella de Vil overture kind of theme playing in, in like that, that sassy uh, brass. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, if that's kind of what they're going to be hitting us with during this movie, I'm all in on that. Um, but I was... I was super excited because I'm I'm a fan of Emma Stone and you know she does a good job acting in a lot of her her movies that she does, and uh, I was curious to see what they were gonna do with it and you know I didn't really know Emma Thompson very much even though I know she's a very storied actress and she's probably won Oscars on her own, uh, so I was curious to see you know what she would bring to the story and what her character was uh, from the the trailers going in I didn't really know but I assumed that she was probably gonna be the foil to yeah. our Cruella in this one. I hesitate to say uh, our hero or our villain of the story because, you know, it's kind of one of those uh, interesting takes on just character development as a whole. So getting into this movie, though, um, without rehashing the entire film's plot, you know, we, we see the development of Cruella from a young age. We find out that her name is actually Estella mm -hmm. um, and that she is, uh, you know orphaned early on here because her mother is killed uh, in an early on you know scene in this movie and Cruella thinks that it's her fault right she yeah. kind of goes through this this whole thing these dogs are chasing her uh, and they jump at her mom and her mom falls off the cliff so that is kind of like the trigger point for a, a change in Cruella because before she had this this scene, this interaction. You could see like through these these uh, different cuts that she was kind of not the best child. <laughs> she was causing mayhem at, at school, and you know she was definitely one that stuck out a little bit. Uh, and she was uh, nonconformist, we'll say, right? So, what did you think of of what we saw, you know, from her before her mother died? And that scene where her mother does die, what did you think of, of the whole development of young Cruella there? Yeah, young Cruella or Estella was is an interesting character because she's almost struggling with, I don't want to say, you know, personality disorder, but it's almost painted that way where, you know, she has the the evil inside her that she has to hide. Um, you know, the Cruella is hidden and Estella is the one that needs to come out. But uh, the scene where the mother died, honestly, was 
almost comical in a way because you just don't expect it mm-hmm. um, to come out of there. But obviously, it, it you know plants that seed in there for why she eventually becomes the Cruella we know from 101 Dalmatians. So it's definitely done in a different way that I didn't see coming. You know, she she certainly you know took on the burden throughout her life that you know she was the the reason her mother passed away, but. Um, you know, there's definitely something a little more sinister to her that she was burying deep inside throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. So after her mother dies, she obviously feels like it's her fault. And she goes on the run. She runs to London. And she runs into two... Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say nefarious. I would say uh, misguided <laughs> uh, younglings that are, you know, on the street kind of kind of you know living that street urchin life we'll say um and i can't off the top of my head recall their names not uh, horace and, horace and jasper horace and jasper okay good at least one of us came prepared for this <laughs> <laughs> so horace and jasper are you know two that kind of actually they see her they kind of run away they think they've escaped but you know cruella or estella follows i'm going to just refer to her as cruella throughout this whole thing yeah yeah that's right. uh follows them to their secret hiding spot and then she gives them the the story of you know i'm i'm alone my mom's dead uh and we we kind of see this little scene will take place where they become friends and they mm-hmm. kind of are doing heists or you know little jobs together uh so you can see that they've they've grown up they've bonded and they've kind of become a little close-knit family and we get to a point you know through a very very i have to say this the use of music in the soundtrack and the score for this film is actually so good that I have watched this movie multiple times just for the music in the background because Mm -hmm. I love their use of it. And I've listened to the soundtrack because it's like, if it's on Apple Music or something like that, you can just download it and listen to it. It's it's so good. The music in this movie, really good. If you don't even watch the movie, just listen to the soundtrack. Yeah, it's it's you know, and it's a wide range of things, but it all fits. Whether it's that, you know, jazzy brass vibes or the punk rock, you know, anthems that they kind of have in there, like it's it's just so masterfully done. It, it you hate to say that, like you said, there wasn't like crowds, you know, barging in to come see Corella in theaters, but it's like this movie, you know, kind of I think due to the circumstances and maybe even marketing a little bit because I didn't see a lot of marketing for it other than like online and, and on Disney plus, like I didn't see a lot of TV ads running for, you know, go see it in theaters. I, I feel like the, the production behind this movie was a lot bigger than what they, you know, put forth in the marketing behind it. Like, I think it could have got a lot more attention from folks that maybe weren't as interested mm-hmm. if this stuff was a little more in the forefront. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the last movie that I can think of that kind of the, the use of, of soundtrack stood out like this one does was like guardians of the galaxy. Oh um, yeah. That, yeah. They they really kind of leaned into it, and this one leaned into it too. And they're all period specific, or mm. there's probably I think there's one that was not period specific, but it was kind of redone to sound like it. Yeah. Um, but the music in this movie is is really well done. And like I said, if if you don't want to pay the thirty dollars to watch it on premiere or uh, go to the movie theater, at least listen to the fantastic soundtrack because it is very well done. And it's not even just era specific; it's it's even region specific. Like it mm-hmm. has that London, that UK feel. Uh, to it as well, uh, along with the period piece. So it's it's just that extra step in there. But you're right. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, really well done. Uh, so through that little cut scene or that little stitch of montage, we'll call it, uh, that's that's got some fantastic music back behind it, powering it through, we, we see eventually they get to this point, and uh, the two friends have decided that, hey, we're going to 
we're going to team up and we're going to actually give you a legitimate opportunity to have a job at this place that she's always kind of longingly looking at. And that's the uh, the local big dress store there, um, which, you know, you, you, she walked by there, she would look over there, and she was like, this is the place, you yeah. know, for, of fashion in London. And she gets this job, right? And so we're... We're introduced to the store, kind of like a fly-through, where we're going through, we're seeing all these different people in their positions and what they're doing, and we finally land on Cruella, who is in, like, a way-back room, a bathroom, I believe it was, cleaning the floors. The floor, scrubbing the toilet and around the floor, yep. Right. Kind of like a Cinderella, in a way. I I I was just thinking the same thing. It's it's very much Cinderella vibes and not, not the position you expect to see the almighty Cruella in. Right, exactly. But, you know, this is an entry spot in on, on the store that she wants to work at, you know, and she has these ideas. She's got these ideas in her head that she really wants to express, and she feels like, you know, if the manager would just listen to her, that, you know, she could have an option there. And she tries to talk to the manager a few times, and the manager does not want to give her the time of day, right? He just wants to enjoy his cookie, close his door, and, and have her clean the bathrooms to his precise specifications. Um, but then she sees an opportunity, Kevin. She has an opportunity to, to maybe dress up that mannequin in the window. What did you think of that scene? That was, that was great. Cause that was the first, you know, real rebellion you saw of her, um, you know, cause lead until, as you mentioned before with, with the kids, as they were kind of growing up in that montage, everything that they were doing was more, <sighs> Not childish, but it was more along the same lines of what you would see in like Aladdin, where he was, you know, mm-hmm. just doing these little jobs to get by. And, yeah. you know, he wasn't doing anything super bad. Um, but this is the first time you see her really kind of take a, a bigger stance where you know how this manager is. You see how the people in the store look at her and she takes you know advantage of doing that front window uh, in her way after, you know, basically while well, being drunk, too. Mm-hmm. You know, she she dipped into the manager's whiskey or whatever it was that he was drinking and you know, kind of just blacked out and just, you know, did her thing, which was, it was great to see her really kind of grab and try and achieve her dream. But obviously, you know, there was going to be some repercussions for it once it was realized what she did. Oh, yeah. And in that whole scene, I think, because she's walking through the store, she's kind of casually holding the, the, the decanter that has the whiskey in it. Yeah. Uh, or who knows? Uh, back then, it probably would have been brandy. Um, yeah. And we see her kind of, you know, just not having the best time walking through the store and kind of just uh, rearranging things, kicking hats off of mannequins. And then she sees that one and she can just kind of go in and do her thing. And then she basically blacks out as she's, as she's in there working on her masterpiece and uh, is woken up by her friends knocking on the window uh, along with a trove of people that are <laughs> watching and seeing what had just happened. And the manager, you know, is shocked and dismayed, sees her in there and... Uh, you know, quickly tries to usher her out. But at the same time, the Baroness, who we got a glimpse of early on in the movie uh, at the uh, at the party where her mother died, mm-hmm. uh, the Baroness shows up, who is the fashion icon of the time and of the place. So, you know, she shows up, it's a big deal. And so they, they're trying to usher Cruella away, but at the same time, they aren't able to get her out of there because she's, you know, uh, elusive, and uh, able to kinda, back a bit. <laughs> yeah, able to fight back just a little bit, and the the mannequin in the window catches the Baroness's eye, right? Mm-hmm. And so she asks about it, and she's and the manager's like, "Oh, we've we fired that person. You know, she's she's no longer here." She's like, "You fired 
the one person who had talent. Yep. <laughs> and I, Emma Thompson, and shame on me for not really knowing her as an actress, but her performance in this movie is really, really good. And I think it matches, uh, you know, the performance Cruella gives. You, you can see, like, an older version of Cruella, you know? Like, kind of like the Cruella that you would eventually see in, in the cartoon movie. Yeah. Portrayed by Emma Thompson. Yeah, yeah. And it, she does a fantastic sense. job. Exactly. Makes, she makes really sense. does. And, and I'm with you, too. It's like, I don't really know her from anything either. I'm kind of just scrolling through IMDb right now, and I still don't really say, like, oh, yeah, I remember her in this. Like, I really just don't. But she's done a ton of work. So it's clearly she's maybe not always the, the star of the, in the forefront, but she's definitely, you know, been around and has done a ton of stuff. But, yeah, she, she throughout the whole movie just completely portrayed the Baroness and just and just owned it the whole time. Mm-hmm. And her, her employees and her underlings are all kind of a little bit fearful of her. Obviously, they all have that kind of like uh, standoffishness, and she's coming and quick, quickly quiet. It kind of reminds you, too, a little bit of The Devil Wears Prada. Yes. Uh, and uh, yep. was it Glenn Close that was in that one? Yes. Yep. So it kind of reminds you of, of that kind of character, too, which is funny because Glenn Close played uh, Cruella right. in a previous iteration. So um, she gets offered a job. She shows up. She's super excited. And... You know, the, the entry that we have of, of the Baroness's character in her environment, in her in her cabinet here, whatever you call it, factory, uh, of her coming out and reading the review of her latest fashion show. <laughs> yes. Yep. It's like, it was a triumph. And like, go ahead and soak this in for a moment. Okay, moment's done. Move on. Now we got to go to the next thing. We, yep, it must be perfect, we right? The next one. Yep. It was the delivery of that and everything and the guard that kind of like sneezed. <laughs> And now everybody just kind of looked at him with the, with the side eye. That whole scene was perfect, and I loved that introduction, the, the true introduction of her character. Um, and we see, you know, how, how now Cruella is in this environment, and she's she's trying to, you know, be part of this crew. And the other people that are, are they designers? I think that's probably what the term would be, yeah. these other designers. They're all, like, very stiff, and they're, like, not wanting to let her in, and she has to kind of nudge her way in. I just the the way that she played the the newbie or the the greenhorn you will mm-hmm. was just so good like she knew that she wanted to be there and she had the chops to be there but she was like having to force her way in a lot of metaphors there right you know trying yeah. for for a woman that has a talent that wants to get to the job having to really try to force her way in and and you know <laughs> I, I I just thought that they did a great job portraying that uh, in that yeah situation. she she did a great job of it too because like you said she just kind of gravitate towards like her character at that point realized like hey this rebellion i did on that front window paid off so i'm not Mm -hmm. just going to you know go back to the old me you know i need to take advantage of here and and being in the limelight and being you know handpicked by the baroness to go through it's very much a uh a charlie and the chocolate factory kind of moment like she got her golden ticket you know the the whole way that the the studio was laid out with all the designers. It looks like a factory. The way they operate is very, you know, robotic. And it, it really is that same kind of moment there for her where she's not going to miss out this opportunity. So she's going to fight to show that she deserves to be there. And it wasn't like a fluke or, or, you know, a one-time deal. She was not going to throw away her shot. (laughs) Uh, And so we see Cruella kind of rising through the ranks and catching the eye of the Baroness and her designs and, and really kind of becoming like the right hand person for the Baroness, you know, she's looking for this new fall design or whatever it is. And, and Cruella's designs are, are working. 
you know, and the Baroness is really enjoying them. And she even says that she's something, right? Uh, yeah. And that, that really boosts her spirits. But then, Kevin, we get to the point where uh, Cruella is at her, her mansion and notices something that she mm-hmm. has. So at the beginning of the movie, um, her mom gave her this little necklace that was like a family heirloom, she said. And Cruella dropped it as she was escaping from the dogs. And the Baroness has it. And now that kicks off something in Cruella's mind, right? All of a sudden, she's taken back to that moment where her mother dies. And, you know, she's this this pivotal time in her youth, in her formative years, and is is brought right back to it. And then says, like, hey, how did, what is this? How did you get that? You know, and the Baroness calls it a family heirloom, and she's like, you know, someone tried to even steal it once. And and uh, the Baroness doesn't necessarily want to talk about that person, but she wants to talk about something about her, because everything's always about her. Yes. But then Cruella asks the question, like, well, how, what happened to her? What what happened? Who was it? And the Baroness kind of goes off on this little tangent about it. it's not important who she was or what she did, and, you know, this, this other things. And the things that he, she said, the responses really set her off, mm-hmm. right? What did you think of, of that scene, the reveal, and then what we see next with the transformation? Yeah, that was, I was thinking the transformation is the exact word I was going to use there, too. It's like that was the moment where you see Cruella snap, and now the gears are moving. Now you realize what happens. She's no longer thinking, this is my fault. She knows it's the Baroness's fault at this point, and the necklace kind of just, jogged her memory and that's her motivation going forward so that was the great uh creating of the villain moment if you will like that's that's the joker falling into the vat of acid you know that's that's the same moment there for corella is like right there in that moment there where the baroness slips up and starts you know revealing these little tidbits not much because like you said she only wants to talk about herself uh that revealed to corella who she was the baroness and then what really happened to her mother so at that point she uh lets the corella out mm-hmm Yep, so she basically wants to go to this party. She wants to oust or steal uh, the, the pendant back, and she can't go as herself. Right. But she knows someone who can go. It's kind of like Batman. Yes, yes. <laughs> Bruce Wayne yes. can't go, but Batman can. Batman can. <laughs> or vice versa. Yep. Um, so she she puts on the personality or the persona of Cruella and lets, lets that person out. And the one thing that they know about the Baroness is that she wants to be the center of attention. Everybody has to conform to her way of of being at a party. Otherwise, she has them removed from the party, and it shows a little montage of different people getting tackled and taken out of the yes. party. Yep. <laughs> um, and so Cruella shows up at the party, and she's nonconformist, obviously, and she, wears, she has this, this white gown that we saw. Uh, was it Horace? practicing with this like material in yes. the background in one of the yep. scenes and yep. so here it comes uh she's got this gown made of this white but she drops a match and it is this, like this beautiful red dress underneath um kind of like the you know the phoenix from the ashes symbolism or in some ways the uh the hunger games tie in another yeah, movie, yeah. Girl on fire, so, the yeah. girl on fire exactly uh so definitely she catches everybody's eye in the room and then people come to try to remove her and she she fights them yeah <laughs> which is kind of out of place but it was a fun little fight yeah um and meanwhile 
we see her buddies trying to steal the the pendant and their dog, which they the dogs are actually play a, a pretty pivotal part. In oh this yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Yep. Yeah, I, so I don't want to you know remiss them because each person has a dog almost. Like the the Baroness has two Dalmatians. Mm-hmm. Um, Cruella has this little stray dog that she found, and they have this little pit bull kind of dog for uh, Horace, and that dog is with him, and he's dressed up like a raccoon. Yep. <laughs> Uh, and so he's he's there on the, under the guise that he needs to get rid of these raccoons or possums or some sort of rodent. Yeah. And and uh, the the one way he get, the way he actually gets in with the doorman just a hilarious scene where he's like, oh yeah, he's describing these things and how big they are. And like, oh, there's one there, and the dog is already passed there, and he sees it and the the doorman's like, oh my gosh, uh, this movie has no right to be as funny funny as it was. Yeah, yes. as as it, it teen, it, the writing was really well done, but so. Um, the pendant is gone. She's not actually, it's not in the, the vault. She's wearing it. And so through this scene, she, you know, they're able to get it off of her and give it to one of the dogs. And the dogs are actually trying to get it out of, uh, out of the building. But, uh, somehow they end up getting the, the pendant and getting out there and stealing this car. Was this the DeVille that they stole? No, was it, the was bill was point? later. Okay. The bill's later. Yeah. So she's she steals this car. She's driving, and uh, she's like doesn't know how to drive because she's like hitting all these cars on the side of the road, yes. and she just has this 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 further realization of hey, she didn't actually kill her mom. Her mom didn't die because of her. Her mom died because she called the with the dog whistle. She called the dogs and sucked them, sicked them, sucked them, sucked them. <laughs> Whatever. She told them to sick her mom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so she realizes that the Baroness really did kill her mother. Mm. And at all this time, for all these years, she's been carrying that guilt with her, but now realizes it wasn't her fault. Yep. But now must hatch a plan to stand against this person, to bring her down, and make her pay for what she did to her mother. And that cues off the, the big battle the face-off, the walk-off, the dress-off uh, that we'll, we'll see between uh, the Baroness and uh, Cruella, which, Kevin, through these montages of these different dresses and these different events, what was your favorite? What one stood out the most to you? Oh, God. The uh, the one that stood out the most to me, I think, was probably the dump, the garbage truck one. <laughs> Did you think of Zoolander and Mugatu? A little bit, yes. <laughs> Derelict. It's just so so many stuff goes back and forth, and that's like you know we talked about the music and we talked about the writing, but like the costume design in this movie is amazing. It like is. it's it's just again it, the movie had you know these moments that were so much better than what I think the movie was to a lot of people. Like people mm-hmm. just didn't notice how great this movie was, and the costume design is just you know me not being a fashion guy by any means, I still could really appreciate what was being done. I mean like. This is some intricate stuff that I'd never seen before, and obviously like, there was a lot of care put into it. But yeah, every time Corella would invade these different, uh, you know, fashion shows or, or these little, you know, jump off moments here, she just stole the show with something that was absolutely ridiculous and over the top. But mm-hmm. I think the garbage truck one was my favorite. Yeah, that one was was really well done, and I also liked the one where uh, they have her trapped in a car so she can't get out, and then she stands on top and kind of covers her dress with the car. And kind of has this oh, like, yes. uh, like uh, almost like a militaristic look to it. I I thought that, that one was really well done too. And just yes. them again, the music that they used behind this montage scene 
that shows the rise of Cruella, right? Um, mm -hmm. Really, really well done. Really interesting. Um, and we get to the point where, okay, now she's living this dual life. So she's designing these these dresses and things that she's wearing uh, to combat and and to rise to fame. And you know the the tabloids and the papers are getting involved, and they're writing about how amazing her stuff is and how now the Baronesses is looking drab by comparison, right? Yes. Yep. So they have to kind of have show the the dual life that that she's living, and the Baroness is kind of starting to catch on and seeing like she's designing things when she's not actually working. Like, why are you doing that? Yep. And so. Corella goes out to have her lunch, but then the Baroness sends her goons out, and she realizes that she's been designing other things in the background, and that she's not giving her best to to the Baroness anymore. Yep. And she designs this this very, you know, they, they kind of make it like a breathtaking piece that everybody just like gasps at when it's complete. And these are like these intricate beads that she's sewn on that were, yes. you know, very hard to get and very rare. And so this is going to be the centerpiece of the, the Baroness's show, right? And they decide, you know, so they try to steal it, quote-unquote. Horace and uh, Jasper, Jasper. They, they try to steal the, the dress because they, they want to make it feel like, hey, Cruella's trying to, to do this. That makes him lock these dresses up together in this vault. But little does anyone oh, except okay. Cruella know. What's inside that dress? Uh, bugs, right? It was these beetles or something, wasn't it? Moths. Moths, that's what it was. I knew it was some sort of bug. I couldn't remember what it was. But yeah, these bugs that basically destroyed the entire, uh, you know, line for the for the show. The entire line, yeah, is all destroyed and goes into mothballs. And that scene where all the moths were kind of let, like, let out of, of the, the vault, and oh. you just see Emma Thompson just kind of like, you know, blow one off or whatever she did. <laughs> yep, and everybody yep. else is like all running in fear. It's like, oh. That's really well done. Like I like yes. the portrayal of again the the acting and and the direction of of Emma Thompson in, in that particular scene really stood out. So we get to the point now where Emma's trying to figure out okay who is this person, and she sees or there's at the time that she's doing this this centerpiece thing. Cruella does another show um, just nearby, out in the uh, what do you call it? Out in the park, the plaza. And she, her dress that she wears this time is very reminiscent of dots, spots, almost, yeah. almost Dalmatian-like. Which before this point, they had taken her Dalmatians because one of them had swallowed the pendant, right? Yes. And so we're, we're led to believe for a short bit that Cruella killed the dogs and made a dress out, mm -hmm. of, out of the dogs. Um, because that's, I think Emma Thompson dropped the line, like, she killed my dogs, and she's wearing them, or something like that. Yep, yep. And that's kind of like that, that flash into Emma Thompson, or to the Cruella that we all know, right? That she wants to kill all the dogs and the puppies for the coats. Hey, and she's yep, like, yep. That's, that's like a whole different world. But we, we know that she has not done this, because Emma Thompson, the Baroness, she notices these guys, Horace and Jasper, and follows them back to their... their uh, their place because she recognizes them. Yep. And when the then Cruella comes back with some dinner and she's all happy because the queen is knocked off her perch, realizes that the Baroness is there and that she's figured out who Cruella is, where she is, and has now decided to literally oh. eliminate her. Yeah. What'd you think of the showdown scene here? Yeah, this was this took me 
back a little bit. Like I was a little surprised on how dark it went in this moment right? because, like you said, there wasn't any. Everything was kind of laughy, jokey. You know, there, there are some scenes and stuff like they're running away, but she literally tried to burn Corella alive, and then was going to frame Horace and Jasper for their mur- for her murder. So like everyone was, you know, these guys going to go to jail for life. Corella was going to be dead, um, and the Baroness showed absolutely no hesitation or remorse to do so. Like that was an instant thing, despite Corella, you know, making her think she killed her dog. She didn't, and she even says it. You know, in the movie, I would never do something like that. You know, just they, they were portraying it like that. But uh, this is the moment that the Baroness took it to like a whole new level. And, and again, you show her uh, appetite for murder, you know, obviously killing the mother and, and, you know, just shows her disregard for other people's lives. But, yeah, the fact she was ready to burn her alive, I thought was really just next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that went a little darker, too, than I expected for a Disney movie. But, yeah, you know, you, you got to show someone more evil than the evil one that we were kind of here to see. Right. So, right. Yep. So it's, you know, her, her dogs, yeah, her dogs kind of come to try to help her. Obviously they aren't able to, but I thought that was very cute, very well done scene with the dogs. And then one of the butlers of, of the Baroness who we saw earlier in a couple scenes, uh, he shows up and, and pulls her from the fire. We find out later through revelation that, the person that died on the cliff those years ago was not her real mother. Her real mother was the Baroness. Yes. And we, we got to see this, this you know, flashback sequence of the Baroness not happy at all that she has uh, a child and is pregnant. Um, we see the portrayal of a, of a nicer gentleman, the, the Baron, if you will, um, and how he was excited about it, and he was looking forward to it, and he was away on business, I think, when she was born, and then yeah. um, the Baroness tells <laughs> this butler to kill her, you know, yep. to, to take care of her. Take care of said. the baby, yeah. And, you know, the, the butler, being the kind guy that he was, he wasn't going to do that. And he knew this other woman, she was very nice, and gave her to her to take and protect, and... That's when we realize that the Baroness is indeed uh, Corella's mother. But this other lady that, that raised her was, you know, also her mother, too. Because who really is your mother? The one who gives you, who brings you into the world or the one who raises you? That gives right. you life or teaches you to live? You I mean, it kind of asks that question. It's like, who really is your mother? The one that chooses you or the one that just is, you know, given you? So, Biologically, yeah. Yeah. So I thought that that was, you know, actually a, a nice... Uh, it, you could see it coming a little bit, but the way that bit. they delivered it and the way that it was, you know, a, a twist, <laughs> it was almost M. Night Shyamalan, you know, inspired. <laughs> uh, I liked that piece of story in there. Uh, and it adds another layer of complexity to this whole dynamic that we see between Cruella and the Baroness now, and which is actually a mother versus a daughter, right? In yeah. Ways. Yeah. It definitely, uh, it was done in a, in a way... Like you said, the, this whole movie had twists back and forth. The real the Baroness was the mother, and then how that relationship went. And you know, she actually killed you know who Corella considered her mother. Like there was lots of twists back and forth, and you know, it, it, you didn't see it all coming in the exact same way. But as you said, you have to have a, a villain that's bigger than the villain you're creating, and we have to remember that despite everything going on and what we know, uh, Corella becomes that this is not you know she's the hero in this movie, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And now. Kevin, we come to our final showdown. So the Baroness is obviously hosting a gala or a ball, and it's it's one where she, you know, tells people just to wear black and white, I think it was, for, for this particular ball. And so 
what happens? The, the Emma, not Emma, Corella and her team formulate this plan and they send all these people, all these invitees, <laughs> a dress that looks like a, a Cruella dress and, you know, ask them to, to do their hair like Cruella. And yeah. then... All it was an pe- honor. It was an honor to remember Cruella's yes. death. The it public w- thinks Cruella died in that fire. Exactly. So the, the public all think that she's dead and that this is a way to honor her. So they're all going along with it. You know, they're not going to question the Baroness. Nope. The Baroness no, doesn't know what's going on. And they suspect that Cruella might show up because the Baroness knows that she's not dead. Mm-hmm. And as these people are showing up, they're getting ca- tackled and like, hey, yeah. what, this yes. is, no, this is her. No, that's her. And then... The, when the Baroness walks out and sees the room full of her, she's like, oh, she's bested me again. You know, because it's, it's always, the Baroness always wants it about her. And for this one time, instead of toasting herself, she toasts Cruella. Cruella. Yeah. She got her to toast Cruella, which is a fantastic mind game. Again, uh, really well done. And we lead to this confrontation where, you know, Cruella is out there with the where her mother was pushed off and she lures the baroness out there and then meanwhile hasper and joris joris are asking people to kind of go outside and you know the baroness requests your presence in, in the patio or whatever and then we get the the final reveal scene what do you what did you think about this and how this went down and the way it kind of all resolved yeah, this was done. This was again was another big twist here, where you think you know they're staging her up, and Corell is pushing all the right buttons to get the Baroness to to try and, and do something. And you know, at first the Baroness is like, "I love you, come come be part of my empire," and blah blah blah. And tried to pull that whole, "I do care about you." It was a mistake, and I've seen my ways, and enjoy me this and that, blah blah. But Corella knows better. But we as the we as the viewer don't necessarily know that that's what's happening. But the Baroness then you know pushes Corella over the same cliff and. We see Corella just fall, but as as we've come to learn that Corella is always prepared, she, uh, you know, navigated that situation and had people there ready to rescue her, uh, so that she wouldn't in fact die. But because uh, Horace and Jasper got everyone to go outside, the entire crowd just witnessed the Baroness murder uh, somebody right off the edge of the cliff in, in cold blood. So that just basically ended the Baroness as far as her career with all those witnesses there. There was no denying what she had done mm-hmm. anymore. And it's important to note that she went there as Estella, right? Yeah. So she wasn't dressed up as, as Cruella at that point or wasn't wearing the Cruella mask, so to speak. Yeah. So she went there as Estella, and in a sense, that was the death of Estella. She died yes. where her mother died. Um, and we see her, you know, talking in, in the funeral afterwards, and then she gets—all of that is hers. Like, all of that stuff that the Baroness had, that mansion and everything is yeah. all now hers to have, and they have this— um, you know, funeral scene where she's kind of you, you googleizing, you googleize her, you, eulogizing, eulogizing, yeah, yes. <laughs> eulogizing her, you know, herself, and you know, there was just like three people there: her, Horace, Jasper, and then of course, I think the Reverend was there. But yeah, those were the only people that were there for her funeral. But you know, she was kind of saying goodbye, and it was kind of funny because you know, Horace or Jasper was like crying about it because she was he was sad. He was like, dude, she's she's not dead. She's, she's not really like, dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we see, and in the final, final scene, th- there was two, there was a Roger character and a, a character, oh, what was the other character's name? I can't remember. Was it the other, the guy who helped her with the costumes? No. Roger was the lawyer. And then the person from the paper. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, shoot. I forget her name. 
but yeah, the woman who was working at the, you know, she went to school with as a kid, but she was working at the newspaper after yeah. that and kept putting articles out for Cruella. Yeah, she was. She basically was there as, as the. And I, I, her name is the tip of my tongue too. Uh, I can't, can't say it. Anyway, she, she was the person that was writing for her at the paper that was kind of you know creating the spin to begin with to to draw attention to her. But you f- you see this in scene where a dog arrives for Roger, and a dog arrives for her, and they're two Dalmatian dogs. And that those are two dogs because it, it alluded to earlier one of her Dalmatians. It's Anita. 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 Yes, Anita, darling. Um, <laughs> they alluded earlier that you know one of those Dalmatians was pregnant from Cruella, yeah. and here is two of the offspring. And so that leads us into you know how. These two people will eventually meet in, in, in a new retelling of events, maybe, and mm-hmm. will continue on this kind of legacy of, of 101 Dalmatians. And I thought that how they tied that in there, how they put that in there was really well done. Uh, and he, even the rendition of Cruella de Vil that yep. Roger was playing there at the end was, was really nice, really spot on. But Okay, so that takes us through the film. Overall thoughts, Kevin. What what would you think? Would you recommend it? Yeah, I absolutely would recommend it. And and I'm telling you, like if you if you folks, you know, are listening to this and didn't see it, but were open to spoilers and stuff like that, I encourage you to, to, to watch it. As Nathan said, like even if you weren't going to, soundtrack alone is phenomenal. Costume design is great and it just was so well written and it came from a direction that I honestly was not uh, expecting Corella to, to be. And I don't know what I was expecting, to be honest, as far as, you know, what's the background story of, of her. You know, I had seen Maleficent and I, I knew how that went and that was done much more fairy tale esque. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one isn't. This is more like a action crime suspense thing back and forth with a just a, a flair for showmanship between the music and the and the costume design. Uh so I would definitely recommend it. I mean I get it if people don't want to pay thirty dollars for it, you know, in, in the premiere access, but you know, I I'm I'm a dad of three. So if we go to the movies it's five people mm-hmm. that automatically cost me more to see it in theaters without any snacks or anything else versus just renting it at home. So it was a no-brainer, but definitely if you don't want to pay it, then, you know, and you're a Disney Plus subscriber, uh, 100%, check it out when it hits uh, free access then if you don't want to, because I, I thought it was just, it was so well done. I, and I hope they continue to explore uh, some of these villain storylines. I'd love to see more stuff like this. Like, after watching this instantly, I'm like, oh, an Ursula one would be amazing mm. from The Little Mermaid. Like, I think that would be a cool a cool one to do. Um you know, versus like a Lady Tremaine or Evil Queen from uh, Snow White. Like those ones, I don't know how you do that, but I feel like Ursula would be a great one uh, to do. But this was definitely a whole new era of Disney movie. And I don't know if they're taking the nods from what Marvel does or anything like that, but this definitely, from a surface level, is not your typical Disney movie uh, really at all. Uh, this just was a lot bigger and, and more grandiose uh, than I would expect. But yeah, it was it was a blast from beginning to end. And my whole family enjoyed it. My wife, all three of my kids, so ranging from 17 to, to 6, they all watched the whole thing and were glued to it the entire time. So mm-hmm. it, I think that speaks volumes. Yeah. yeah. It's also definitely a recommend for me. If you want to go see it in the theater, fantastic. Great. You will enjoy it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just, just kind of enjoy the music and the scenery because it's visually well done. The oh, use yeah. of colors is fantastic. Um, that's one reason that I did like watching it at home too, was the fact that I can watch it in 4k and HDR, right? Yes. Yep. Same. So actually I, it was 4k 
It was Dolby Vision and it was Dolby Atmos was my my setup here. So I was able to get the full Dolby experience and it was fantastic to do it at home. And like you, I mean, I don't have the the three the three kids to take to a movie theater, but you know, trying to find daycare or something for yes. for my kids and take the wife and then you know snacks whatever. Thirty dollars makes a lot more sense. Uh, to be able to do that and didn't be able to watch it multiple times as well, which I've you know, seen it yeah. twice at least so far. Um, and both my wife and I enjoyed it. I thought it was, you know, going in, I I didn't know what to expect. I was expecting it to be not that great, to be honest. Mm. But I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it and how much I was into it. And I was really digging it. Um, and it's not a short movie either. This is over no. two hours. Oh, yeah. It was long. Yeah. So I mean, um, being able now, to pause it is you- nice. Sorry, just to kind of sidebar a little bit. Did, now, what movies have you purchased Premiere Access so far since they were kind of doing this? This was the first one, but oh, I have so you also... Did you Mulan? I thought you did Mulan. No, I waited for that one because uh, honestly, okay. I wasn't really super into Mulan to, to yeah, begin with. Yeah. Um, so this was the first one I've done. I also waited on Raya, which Raya is actually really good. I've we've I watched, watched it a few times. Yet. My I son, he loves watching it. Um, and then I have already pre-ordered my Access for... Black Widow. Oh, yeah, that's a no-brainer. I was just going to say, because, yeah, I had done Mulan. I did not do Raya, uh, but we haven't watched it yet. I think my daughter did. My youngest had watched it by herself, but I do want to see it. I just haven't had the time. Um, and I definitely think that having paid for Mulan and Cruella, that I, I feel like Mulan got way more marketing behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, we did Onward, too. No, no, Onward, you didn't have to pay for it. Never mind. Take that back. Mulan, I feel like that had a much bigger marketing campaign behind it, and I enjoyed Cruella much more than I enjoyed Mulan, to be honest. I, I, I like too. Mulan, but I think this was way better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did, too. And I think that, you know, I hope that they continue to do this even post-pandemic, right? Yes. Which I, I kind of doubt that they will, but I would like to see something like this continue on. And so that's why, like, especially for Cruella, which I was mildly interested in, I went ahead and you know, put the $30 down and watch it. I did watch it on the first day. So when it was first available, I started watching it. And uh, that's why I did the same thing for, for Black Widow, because I want to show support for this type of initiative. I, I enjoy yes. it and I like it. And I also, you know, I, I'm I'm torn because the next one after um, Black Widow is Jungle Cruise, which looks fun. And I love the Jungle Cruise ride and I like The Rock, but I don't think it's going to be a great movie. But at the same yeah. time, I'm like, I kind of still want to support it. Um, it will be cheaper to do that than to go to the theater and watch it, but I could also wait it out. I'm still, I'm, I'm trying to figure out on, on the Jungle Cruise, but it, that is one that I, I feel like I, I'll probably end up doing because it's The Rock and that ride right. is fun at Disney World. Exactly. Like, I, I'm getting vibes for that one too. So, like, I just saw the most recent trailer like a couple of days ago, actually, and I got some Jumanji vibes for it, which. The Jumanji movies, I think, are too are also like a little underrated, but they're fun movies. So if it's, you know, anywhere close to that, I wouldn't be mad about doing Jungle Cruise as well. Uh, but yeah, I'm definitely in on Black Widow, and I, I think like you, I'm going to continue to support it with Jungle Cruise. But uh, I'm not sure if Disney's going to continue doing this, but I, I really hope they do because I'm all for supporting this model uh, as well as it being in theaters. Of course, I don't mm-hmm. want it to just come to the platform, but yeah. I think giving people more options opens a lot more doors for you know people with kids, people with you know difficulties in finding sitters or stuff like that. Like this just makes the world a lot easier to uh, take these in. Mm-hmm. And I get to watch it in Atmos and, and Dolby Vision. I mean, right, it's right. even better. So I definitely, uh, like like you, hope that they continue this this trend. And uh, I'm curious to see what will come next for this initiative and if, if they continue this this uh, with, you know, like a Spider-Man or something like that that's later on down the world. But yeah. we'll see. 
Well, that'll about do it for us. Any final thoughts, Kevin? Uh, no, I just think, again, I implore everyone to, to definitely check this one out. This is one of my more recent favorite movies I've seen, actually, you know, in this pandemic world. We're not getting out to the theaters, but I've taken in a lot on Disney Plus and uh, the HBO Max films that have been coming out every month there, too. And I can say I think Cruella might have been my favorite uh, experience so far. So uh, I just think, you know, people put down any prejudice you may have against it. And uh, if you got a couple hours to spare, I think it's 100 percent worth checking out. And I, I hope they continue to do more in this uh, style and almost series of the background uh, behind the villains. Yeah, same. Uh, I'd love to see another another movie like an Ursula would be interesting, like you said, or if they do something like a, a Jafar or something like that. That'd be oh, Jafar would be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Where did Jafar get his powers? You know, All yeah. Stuff. What made him want to be so bad? Uh, is he so bad? Retell the events, right? Um, so I think that that would be pretty cool to see if they continue this on. Um, but yeah, I got like Kevin. I think this is this is great. This is actually probably one of my favorite movies of the year so far as well. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's it's fantastic that you can watch it at home. So, Kevin, where can folks find you? You can find me on all social platforms at PSVG Kevin. Uh, same thing for any gaming platforms as well. Uh, so, yeah, that's where you can find me. Very good. And and uh, what what's the what's the dealio with PSVG Prime these days? Uh, it's still on hiatus. I'm trying to find a way to reinvent and have time to do so. Uh, life is still challenging, and I try and record things whenever I can, but uh, it's t- TBD for now is what I'll say. It's not dead. It's not dead. I just don't know how it's coming back yet. It's like that Monty Python. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Very good. And you can, of course, find the show at Entertaining Pod on Twitter. You can find me at Voiced by Nathan uh, on Twitter as well. So, again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, boys and girls, for listening to this episode. And we hope that you have been entertained. <laughs>